0: Start On Demand. demand.
1: And just like that, things are suddenly looking up because the Winnipeg Jets snapped their seven-game losing streak and vaccine eligibility expanded in a big way, and now it includes kids 12 and up. But here's the question, will your teenager get a say in the vaccine decision? don't ban nuts in schools a new study says it's time to change the guidelines around food allergens in schools and as we continue to celebrate mom today we talked about mom's best recipes i'm brett mcgarry alongside greg mackling and loren Mcnabb. we are mackling mcgarry and Mcnabb, and this is the thursday may 6th podcast for the start grumpy not Thanks. not not unpleasant but i know you've been i know when your team's down you get yes. you can be grumpy
0: yes. how are, can you feel like you can breathe today a little bit i woke up this morning I was just talking with uh, jeff worche off the air and i said you know for the first 3 seconds of today i thought it was friday when i woke up <laughs> and i just wonder if perhaps it was the relief of the Jets breaking their seven-game losing streak. I was up, off, and on throughout the game, and then I got up early to watch the condensed game so I could get a sense of how the Jets accomplished what they did last night. They looked really good in a 4-0 win in Calgary, but uh, Brett, uh, you know, Loren, one win does not a season make.
2: Yeah, but take it right now, man. One (laughs) win does not a season make, but it means that they will compete in the playoffs right which you know feels a little better when you're going in like this Lowry looked fantastic and of course Brett I gotta leave this line to you because the Stanley Cup playoffs are on the horizon (laughs) the North American Ice Hockey League Championships the Jets are coming for
1: you
0: does that work that That works works for me okay (laughs) do you want to hear from Blake Wheeler uh yeah hang on one
3: second this night belongs to our team and the fact that we're going back to the playoffs and that's all I play for, you know, especially this, this part of my career is just having opportunities to achieve, achieve, you know, the ultimate goal. So that's what makes this night special.
2: So that's captain Blake Wheeler. That's four, nothing win, which I also think also felt extra good. We've had a tough time with the flames this year. And so Wheeler had two goals as did Adam Lowry.
3: That's kind of the goal at the, at the start of the year is playoffs and anything can happen when you get there. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's nice to, to have that behind us. Um, it was, it was a long couple of weeks and, you know, so there were some frustrating moments, but you know, I, I think the last couple of games have, you know, we've turned the corner where we've played a lot better and we're, we're going to look to build off that. So it's nice to be returning home for the last few. Uh, and, uh, you know, hopefully we can keep this good feeling
0: rolling into the playoffs. We'll let Cameron Portress do the heavy lifting on the Jets stuff throughout the morning at 6-7 and 8-25. And as we uh, make our way through to the weekend, the Jets play uh, Ottawa Saturday night. But last night, the Jets kept their game simple, as far as I could tell. They scored early. They scored a shorthanded goal. They scored on the power play. And goaltender Connor Hellebuck collected his third shutout of the season. He loves shutouts by the way. Blake Wheeler and Mark Shifley both collected milestone points by the way. Uh that was on the power play goal, the Jets' fourth goal. Shifley got his 500th career point, Brett and Wheeler his 800th. And when asked who gets to keep the puck, Wheeler doesn't hesitate.
3: Uh Mark gets it.
0: <laughs> Just like that. Didn't even think about it. Yeah, Mark gets it. He says, you know, these things aren't as big a deal anymore, these milestone Uh, events for him. He just, he he wants to win the Stanley Cup. So four games left to see if the Jets can follow some sort of blueprint. Have they come up with something over the last few games, build some consistency in their game and give uh, their fans some hope for playoff success? Dare we dream? If the season had ended last night, by the way, the Jets would play the Edmonton Oilers in the first round, a team that has given them genuine fits all year long, Lorento.
2: Yeah, the Jets host Ottawa Saturday night before closing out the schedule Monday and Tuesday at home to Vancouver. And then, of course, next Friday versus Toronto. And then we're off. We're off to the races. And so I say I like those short clips. We should keep them coming. Let's try to condense everything, all our thoughts into three seconds and see how that conversation goes.
1: (laughs) When I I was looking at this clip, I thought, is there actual audio here? Because (laughs) it reads (laughs) 0.00. Uh but when you play uh Mark gets it. Yeah, that's why. Because it's not <laughs> even a second long. So
2: That's four words. Uh Mark gets it. I like <laughs> hockey. Uh, I like winning. I like playoffs.
1: So congratulations to the Jets for clinching a playoff spot. We'll have more throughout the morning. We've got Hextall on hockey at six fifty-five. Sounds of the game from producer Kyle at seven fifty-five also this morning we'll talk about the vaccine expansion my my quick takeaway from what we learned yesterday was you get a vaccine and yes. you get a vaccine yes. and you get a vaccine <laughs>
2: Oprah, <laughs> i almost asked you to pull that audio for our chat at six thirty-seven, but i didn't want to be flip about it but you get a car you get a car now almost everyone gets a vaccine <laughs>
1: Now, if you've been waiting for your
0: turn in the vaccine queue, Greg, the wait is almost over. Mm -hmm. That's because the minimum age to get a shot at a pop-up or vaccine super site now sits at 45 years old. And starting May 21st, Manitoba health officials are expanding vaccine eligibility for the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, meaning anyone over the age of 12 can start booking
2: an appointment. I'm really curious to see what conversations are taking place in homes and families right now in terms of conversations about their kids and the vaccine, but also just young adults. This changes things for university a return to classes. Will there be an uptick in that 18 plus? We know in some states in the U.S. when they opened it up, it kind of fell off for those younger age groups. And so younger age groups is who we want to hear from this morning, because that move to include kids 12 and up was a big part of the change announced yesterday. Canada is actually the first country in the world to approve the Pfizer vaccine for children and it's welcome news to some Manitoba parents. Global's Marty Blunt now has more on that and how the province plans to dole out the shot to kids.
4: Like so many, the pandemic has been a trying time for the Webster family, shifting plans and making sacrifices. Because of my wife's health conditions, we've been, um, our, our son has been remote learning since Last year, Health Canada's approval of the Pfizer vaccine for children ages 12 to 15, bringing a sigh of relief for their family. It's about time. And I'm glad they approved it. And it is another step toward a sense of normalcy. I'm hoping that with better protection, we can have more kids in school safely uh, for the next academic year. In Manitoba, the goal is to include that age group by the end of May and have shots in arms before the end of the school year. Now we're looking at the timeline of uh, June 11th to June 15th to have all uh, 12 plus um, eligible Manitobans vaccinated. But it's not set in stone. The province is waiting on recommendations from the National Advisory Committee on Immunization before finalizing any plans for immunizing Manitoba teens and until then is going to continue with the age-based approach.
2: Unless there's some surprise that comes from NASI, we expect that we'll be able to continue with youth much like we have done other age categories.
4: For families like the Websters, it will be another way to protect their loved ones. He wants to protect his mom, and that's really been his main goal since all of this has happened. Um, that's what our household has been organized towards, is, is protecting his mom. And uh, he's going to get a real practical chance to do that once Uh, eligibility comes up in Manitoba. Marnie Blunt, Global News.
2: Yeah, in that case, it seems obvious for the family. He wants to help his mom, and he knows his best way to do that is get the vaccine. I'm curious if in other houses, Greg, there's the conversation between parents. Parents may disagree. They may not agree on this. Mm -hmm. So that will be part of the talk going forward. And how you navigate that is maybe one who is ready to give them the vaccine, the other one who might be more hesitant. And then I'm curious, in your case, Greg, it's, you know, the, the age is 12 and up. And so your boys are of the age where they're making really good sound decisions already. Do you, do you leave it to them or is it a family conversation? How does that go when they're 14, right?
0: Yeah, they're 14. They'll be 15 at the end of July. And so Jackie and I are fortunate to be on the same page when it comes to the vaccine. So this announcement actually came down when we were in the car together. And so we had the discussion and I just asked him, I said, uh would you take it? He said, well, which one did you and mom get? Because, uh, Jackie had a little bit of a reaction. So he was curious as to which vaccine we ended up getting, but ultimately he said, yeah, you know what, dad, I think it's the right thing to do. I'd be helping out, uh, my friends. And, and I think that that, that's something that I would like to do, uh, when it's possible for me to get it. And there were some other questions in there as well which means he's paying attention, Brett, which is good. I like that. I'm not going to tell him that he needs to get it. He didn't ask me my opinion, but I confess to liking his answer.
1: Now that eligibility has expanded to include almost everyone after May 21st, some are asking the question, what about our teachers? It was a week ago Premier Brian Pallister announced teachers could soon be able to go to North Dakota for their shot. We're still waiting for more details on that announcement. The province has confirmed with us that uh nothing has been finalized with North Dakota so more questions uh to come but uh you know this is uh I think this is a kind of an exciting... It, it provides me with more optimism. Even yesterday when I was golfing, the the young lady working the beverage cart was over the moon excited because she says, I got my vaccine. And she's 21 years old. Uh, she saw on social media that Sandy Bay was... I guess they put out an open invite. They had some vaccine yep. they had to get rid of. So she made the two-hour trek with her boyfriend and got a shot. Uh, so it's good to see. Like, I, I, I'm now... I was excited when... Us Gen Xers were able to, to get out and take advantage of the vaccine. And now that uh, my younger friends are getting the shot, uh, this is, uh, you know, I know that people are still getting sick, but uh, I am finally feeling some optimism, Loren.
2: Well, you're not waiting for that list anymore. There's no more announcement coming. There might be something more for teachers because there is still two plus weeks until that May 21st opens up. And then that doesn't mean you get that vaccine right on that day or even the next day. It might be a few more weeks after that before you have an appointment. So there are a group out there who might still be waiting and asking, well, what about a certain priority system that needs to take place? We might hear more on teachers today. In the meantime, I think you're right. There's no more announcements coming for who does or does not get it in terms of where you live or your age group, 18-plus, starting May 21st.
1: Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Hextall on hockey coming up at 6.55. We continue to celebrate mom with Namath Diamond's $500 gift card up for grabs. Tomorrow, we have our first three qualifiers already, and that is Janine, Michelle, and Sandy. For today's fourth and final qualifier, we need you to text us a story at 204 780 6868 about mom's recipes. Tell us about your favorite meal. From mom. And if you've got a story that you can associate with that recipe, even better. 204-780-6868. Let's go around the horn here. Mr. Fortier, why don't we start with you? Every single thing she makes is delicious. Everything. Everything.
4: wow. Like everything, even down to a salad. You know, she puts in the right amount of (laughs) onions, tomatoes, or peppers. Like I made a salad last week. (laughs) And I put too much onions in, and hours after I made it, like, I'm smelling my breath, and <laughs> it's onions. And I put on a mask, and I'm going, whoa! Like, no, no. It was, it was so bad. But seriously, Christmas dinner, though. Christmas dinner, she puts so much love and work into that. The, the turkey, mashed potatoes, the corn, the Yorkshire pudding. It's just it's so good. And then after the leftovers, she makes uh,
1: the turkey salad for turkey salad sandwiches or the turkey soup. It's just it's amazing. Wow, that was that was enthusiastic, Mister Forte. Well done, sir. I like that. That yeah, makes Can me smile. Can you eat
0: the dishes too, Jeff? <laughs> if I could, I would.
1: Cam Borges, what about you?
0: Wow, I mean, I got to say the same thing. My mom is a is an unbelievable cook. She's a fantastic cook. Uh, uh, you know, my Jewish members of the family would call her a balabust, uh, which is the word for a fantastic. Like, but like, the, if I did get anything. Um, it would be like the Hutterite soups that she makes. Obviously, on my, my mom's side, uh, Hutterite's like the, the, the cabbage borscht uh, with, with, with and, uh, uh yeah, I, There's a very select audience right now that knows what I'm talking about, and they are salivating. Uh, it, it's like whenever my mom makes borscht, it is like I, I will eat as much as I can before. I, I will engorge myself. Um, just but, hook
1: it to your veins. Yeah, <laughs> just hook it to
0: my veins, like Barney. Um, but it's just my mom is a fantastic cook, and I was very, very fortunate growing up. And you know, there's some things that she made that I didn't like. That obviously, I've I've grown to now, grown to now love. Um, yeah,
3: Jeff Braun. I'm gonna skip from the starters of soups and salads, which I don't understand, <laughs> but uh, and get to you've never <laughs> had <laughs> this soup.
0: You didn't grow up with it, Braun.
3: Uh, Stick my with mom your cheeseburgers. makes burgers. The- my mom makes the best of butter tarts bar none i know everyone's going to say that Mm -hmm. about their own mom or their grandma or Mm -hmm. something like that but my mom's are delicious as are the biscuits that she makes and my love for both those things are so high that on my birthday like my parents live in ottawa and i'm here in winnipeg and on my birthday they send me a giant box with about two dozen butter tarts and two dozen biscuits and that's my birthday gift and that is just fine with me i'll eat them all in Le- I tell people it's a week; it's less than a week. But, uh, <laughs> and I have a, a stomach ache almost every night when I go to bed from overeating. But it's just, it's just a bit the best. And I, I got to get the recipe from her someday because it's going to be a shame if I can't have those down the line.
1: Lauren, you already talked about your mom's cooking uh, earlier this week, uh, oh. which was hilarious, by the way. But it, it, is was that the the recipe the the uh, burning no, bread the burnt toast?
2: No, because that's just the side. That's the one thing that she. Um, will screw up on when you put it in the oven and you forget that you're broiling garlic bread or whatever and that's sort of just the hilarious side thing because she's a fabulous cook and it comes down to this you know you try to replicate your mom's recipes over the years and I just can't quite get it right she makes an amazing lasagna her spaghetti sauce is so good her roast for some reason is never dry like mine is one thing I need to figure out and I've watched her do this is the gravy so turkey dinner your Christmas dinner it all comes down come on none of that is acceptable without a good gravy yeah. and when she's Agreed. there or at my house or I'm at hers in years past you're watching her and you're like mm-hmm, I do that yeah no I add the water like that yeah no I start like yeah that's my that's the kind of fork I use to yeah I'm getting the brown off the bottom <laughs> of the gravy why does mine not taste the same and then more than that the trick of any good meal is making sure everything's hot at the same time which is fine mm-hmm. if you've got like chicken and potatoes, that's no problem. But those big meals are, you know, like it's turkey and beans and pierogies and a pierogi sauce and gravy and mashed potatoes and turnips and uh, another kind of beans. And then there's this two, th- two or three salads, and it all lands at the table at the exact same time. It's a full-on orchestra, like a symphony mm-hmm. of moment things happening, and I cannot get that one right. So I just prefer to let. I come over and eat.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Mackling. That's a feat of engineering, isn't it? Uh, my mom's spaghetti sauce and lasagna is better than your mom's spaghetti sauce and lasagna, <laughs> oh. McNabb. Uh, and I'll and I'll throw down on that one. My mom made Great Shepherd's Pie, which isn't difficult to make by any stretch of the imagination, but it was one of my favorites. And she made a homemade chicken cordon bleu, and it was my opportunity to pick a meal, a special meal, she would say, Greggy, what do you want? Or do I have to ask? And no, I, she typically didn't have to ask. Chicken cordon bleu was my go-to. But my mom's go-to is breakfast. And timing of breakfast, just like the timing of the big family meal at Thanksgiving or Christmas, is absolutely critical that the toast come out of the toaster at the right time and the hash browns take longer to cook than anything else. And then the bacon and the eggs and what we would do sometimes in the summer, great memories going to Assiniboine Park and just take the camping gear and we would go and dad and my brothers would play football and my mom would cook breakfast at Assiniboine Park like we were camping. And it was absolutely one of my favorite memories of all time and, and some of the best meals we ever had were just sitting around uh, those beautiful picnic tables at, at Assiniboine Park.
1: Tell us a story, 204-780-6868, about Mom's recipes for your chance to be our fourth and final qualifier for Celebrate Mom with Namath Diamonds. We will name that qualifier just after 9-15. But in the meantime, Mr. Fortier, from Celebrating Mom, we
0: shift, Greg, to Celebrating Hockey. Mm-hmm, and this got cranked up last night in New York. It's been the great debate on the hockey world after Capitals' Tom Wilson was fined and not suspended for a post-whistle scrum Monday night against the Rangers... Hextall on hockey weighs in. It's
5: not popular, but it needs to be said, so here it is. The case for Washington Capitals forward Tom Wilson and why the NHL made the right call by not suspending him. The Wilson takedown of Rangers' Artemi Panarin was during a large post whistle scrum. At one point, Wilson had three players on top of him. It's important to note that Wilson didn't drag Panarin into the scrum. Panarin chose to enter by jumping on Wilson's back, which means Wilson didn't engage an unwilling player into a physical situation and then down to the ice. Players have been twisted down hard to the ice before during a scrum without suspension. The punch was an infraction by Wilson, and yes, cheap, but it's no different than Sidney Crosby pushing the head of Flyers' Travis Konechny into the ice during a scrum of their own on Tuesday night. It's a penalty. It was left at that, as it should be. It's important to remember that the NHL reviews a play to see if it's suspendable before taking into account the player who committed the act. If you took Wilson off the sweater and just watched that scrum unfold, would it be a suspension? No, it would be a penalty and we would move on. The fact Panarin has a lower body injury is an unfortunate result of the scrum that he entered on his own free will. We have to accept the result of our actions. Panarin an injury, Wilson a fine. Okay, I'm ready for it, everyone. Oh, but send all negative tweets to Greg Mackling. Thanks!
1: Hexall and hockey, Look Tuesdays and Thursdays, <laughs> 655. <laughs> I did not expect that. That was great. <laughs> well, I'm Leah. Time for our small town salute. Now, as I've mentioned before, the way I get to explore southern Manitoba is through golf. I don't have a cabin. I'm not a camper. So golf is how I get to see our province. Well, last week when I was at Kingswood, which is in LaSalle, I met a Manitoba couple who has taken that exploration to a level I can only dream about.
2: Doris and Frank Talbot were featured on Global Winnipeg last fall because they had golfed at every course in Manitoba, 142 courses in all. At least that's what they thought. But it turns out, Greg, they found out they had some more exploring to do.
0: Oh, boy. Well, they've recently learned they have a handful more courses to visit. So for this week's small-town salute, let's find out where they're off to next. Doris Talbot joins us now, live on The Start. Good morning, Doris. Good morning. So, uh, an incredible accomplishment. I don't care if you have more that need to be answered, or added, rather, to the list or not. So, uh, what a wonderful way to see our province. But, how many Mm -hmm. courses... Do you now have left to play?
6: We actually found we have five that we know of. Maybe there's more out there. It's hard to know. It's hard to get a complete list sometimes. But, yeah, we've got a few, a couple more to do, a few more to do. And we're planning to get those to those this summer. Well, so why not? Pro- uh, go
2: ahead, George. I was going to say, when you have to stay at home and we've got to stay close to home, why not finish it off this summer?
6: Exactly, exactly. So it'll bring us to a few more corners. Uh, yeah, so we're looking forward to it.
2: So, what's it like to tour the province this way? because some of the close courses might be close to home, but others, I would imagine require planning overnights, hotels, stays, or what have you?
6: Oh, for sure, yeah, most of them do. Uh, our couple the, our longest trip was when we went uh, we called it our Northern Manitoba tour, where we went all the way, started in St. Laurent and in the Interlake, and then all the way up to Thompson and Leaf Rapids, and then Snow Lake, Lawn, the Paw, and then you know and then on the western side of Lake. Manitoba, and we, yeah, we covered 3,000 kilometers and uh, 18 golf courses in nine days. So <laughs> so that, that, that was probably our most memorable uh, adventure.
1: Now, is there a particular town that sticks out as one that you really
7: enjoyed?
6: Well, I have to say, we, I mean, we saw really the towns a lot through the golf courses. Um, you know, we didn't uh, t- take much time to explore the towns themselves, except, you know, we did stay at drove through them and, and noticed if there was things, just like the the monuments, the statues that are in town and the restaurants. Um, but yeah, I know a lot of towns are all very different. I mean, we just found little towns that we never knew existed that, you know, had a pretty decent golf course often. So, And some of them maybe not so decent, but it was still fun to, uh, to explore and discover new towns. We've been like, you know, from Buffalo Point uh, in the southeast corner to the north and then um, Wascata in the southwest corner. So we've basically hundred and four towns is what we figured we uh we visited. So yeah.
0: Well, crisscrossing the province, and, and you'll you'll know this as well as anyone, sometimes the golf course, the clubhouse, is the best restaurant in those exactly. small towns. Yeah. If it's not the curling rink, and sometimes the curling rink and the golf course, uh, I'm thinking of Minnedosa here, Loren, the the curling rink is at the golf course. So you exactly. can really kind of uh, knock off three birds with one stone there. Yeah, now, I don't we, know if, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say, don't know if we got that list of five places that, that you have had to add to your list in order to get the complete set, as we used to say when collecting hockey cards.
6: Well, we have Assisippi There's a par three course there which we which is fairly well, fairly new since we've been out in that direction. Anyways, apparently there's a little one we've done one in Saint Malo, a Par three, but apparently there's another little one or another course there in the Dominion City and then the town of Elkhorn. Um, and then the 17-wing uh, in Winnipeg, the CFB 17-wing, which we didn't know. We hadn't, you know, it's tricky to find the golf courses, like there's not a complete list anywhere. So some, some of them we hear by word of mouth. And uh, those we found out because there was another couple who've done the same thing, and they saw our list, and they kind of mentioned a few. So that's kind of how we found uh, those out. So, yeah, so we're looking forward to heading to those areas. And we need to go back to Swan River because there's a new nine-hole there. Or not a new nine-hole. They added a nine-hole to the course. So we'll be heading back there also, hopefully, this summer.
2: Doris, I feel like this will just keep going on. You'll just sit down and think, yes, we've done it, and then another one will be added to the... Does it kind of get, not frustrating, but does it give you that itch to get going again? Because you said you finished the list, and then you hear of more, and you think, well, I can't tell people. No. I've golfed them all if I haven't.
6: <laughs> well, that's okay. It's kind of fun when we uh, when we hear about another one. People often ask us, have you golfed there, there, and there, and most times the answer is yes. Once in Blue Moon, it's like, no, we didn't know about that one. So... <laughs> So it's uh, yeah, it's it's fun. We're, uh, we we enjoy it.
1: And you you have also. It's not just public courses. You've managed to get on all of the private courses too, yes, right? there
6: was there are seven private courses in Winnipeg, uh, and we got on those too, which which was really nice to be able to do. Um, sometimes we need to find a way to get on, know, find a um, a golfer there who who would allow us to play with them. So uh, so or them. So it was, uh, but that that was fun also to do.
1: Well, congratulations on uh, being able to to do this. I just I, I was amazed when I learned this last year, and I salute your ongoing pursuit to tackle all of the golf courses in Manitoba. And yeah, that's funny the the, the that Air Force course you were talking about the, the the one on the base. I didn't know it existed either because uh, I Assiniboine is right near there. Yes, uh, so that I thought. That was the only course there, but there's the, that cute. one that's just kind of tucked away. It's a, it's a fun little course, so.
6: Yeah, so we will definitely be getting to that one. Yeah, so uh, so we were planning a few trips, uh, short, short trips to Manitoba this summer, uh, probably starting middle of May or towards a long weekend, but maybe during the week, seeing as, seeing as we're both retired now, we, we tend to go out around that time, do a two- or three-night stay somewhere, and, uh, yeah, get away and get to do some golf.
1: Well, Doris Talbot, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It was a pleasure to meet you last week at Kingswood, and uh, maybe we'll bump into each other again down the road.
6: Yeah, we're happy to to meet up with you. That was fun. Okay. All right. Thanks for having me.
1: Now, it might be a staple in many homes, but for years now, peanut butter sandwiches have been off the menu at schools with peanuts, peanuts, tree nuts and more all on the list of allergens that have been banned from schools and daycares
0: and speaking of uh, cooking and making lunches uh, jackie knows this all too well she's been making lunches for the boys for nine years no peanut butter no tuna allowed, uh, two of the simpler things that you can make for your kids. And the theory behind those bans was it better prevented kids who were allergic to those foods from having a reaction. We were happy to participate in the ban. You know, you don't want to be involved in in one of your kids' classmates getting uh, an allergic reaction. But get this, a recent study by an international team of allergy experts found blanket bans do not, in capital letters, make a difference in emergency reactions. Instead, they found they manage in children uh, failing to learn how to safely manage their allergies. Dr. Susan Weisman, clinical immunologist and professor of medicine at McMaster University and lead author on the study, says schools are better off focusing on allergy education and personalized plans
6: is again reinforcing the principles of good training of the teachers recognition of signs and symptoms and anaphylaxis action plan for each student good hand hygiene uh, as well as tabletop uh, supervision of young children eating lunches and whatever else is eaten within the school
2: so at this stage these are just guidelines but they've already been endorsed by organizations like the Canadian Society of Allergy and Immunology. Dr. Doug Mack is an assistant clinical professor in the Department of Pediatrics at McMaster. Dr. Mack was also part of the study team behind these new guidelines, and he joins us now. Good morning.
8: Hey, thanks for having me on this morning.
2: So I'm just going to full disclosure here. I am the parent Mm -hmm. of a kid who has a pre-peanut and tree nut allergy, and so I wanted to say that because it's a lot for parents to take in now after you've had a year of, in your mind sending your kid more safely off to school. So what should I be thinking if I'm a parent who falls into these allergy groups right now?
8: Yeah, I, think what's in, I think what's really important about these guidelines, and, and I'm going to take a step back, because I think when we designed these guidelines, we, we, we wanted to kind of identify what strategies could be used um, adequately. And so we took a good hard look at the evidence behind a lot of strategies, including action plans, stock epinephrine, etc., and so we included not only allergy professionals, but also parents of allergic kids, advocacy groups, nurses, educators, administrators from schools, et cetera. And so we said, you know, let's take a hard look at this. And you're right. And in the end, we did not find that um, there was evidence to support widespread school food restrictions. Um, and, I, and this is a very sensitive topic. Obviously, we, all of us, I, you know, as allergy professionals, as parents, uh, et cetera, we all want to keep our kids safe. Um, and, and and to do that, we really wanted to say, like, is this even feasible or is this, will this make a difference? And once again, unfortunately, it did not appear to have that. Now, I said, uh, like, the, like the document has said, we still welcome further research to, to, to kind of look at this further. And I think that we'll have to revise these guidelines as more evidence comes down the road. But in the meanwhile, I think that parents do need to understand that there are other sides to school bans that may actually be potentially harmful for not only allergic individuals, but also non allergic individuals. And and as as you were talking earlier, some very cheap, affordable staples that, that for, for for many people are no longer available um, in schools. And so for non-allergic individuals, especially those who are potentially are of lower socioeconomic status, this may be a, a concern. But also, you know, practicality. I think we have lots of children who have milk allergy, wheat allergy, egg allergy and rarely will we see those bans um, um, implemented in schools and, and and I think that's an important thing to kind of bring up because what we are telling those students is that the peanut allergic individuals are potentially uh, um, more more priority than you are and, and I think what this all students have to do in their lives as they kind of move their way through because in most high schools and universities there are no, there are no bans they do have to learn how to manage their algae. And that's what we as professionals and as parents want our kids to do. We want them to learn to uh, manage the risk, ask questions and learn the strategies that are very, very important for them to succeed um, and through life. So I think, you know, I think the press is that you know that that this is that, that almost seems like we're saying you know uh, you know don't do anything, and, and that really isn't the point. I, I think that when we looked at the data, there just wasn't the data to support this, and and I think unfortunately, um, you know, I, I think. Uh, some of the other steps may actually be overlooked um, and even a sense of false sense of security. In fact, when you look at some of the data in schools that have school bans, um, they had similar or higher rates of of, um, reactions. And actually the quality of life of parents and students in some of these schools was actually lower than quality of life where actual bans um, weren't implemented. And that may be because of bullying, social isolation, um, uh, you know, for those kids, that were part of these um, who did have these allergies so I think there are lots of sides to this um, and, and it really did seem straightforward you know when we first started looking at this you know it, it seems very straightforward Ben's a reasonable idea you know let's kind of move ahead with this um, but, but at the same time when we looked at the data it just wasn't there and I think that's that's really kind of an important thing to, to point out.
0: I don't think we're going to see a class action lawsuit against uh, school divisions yeah. and and other uh, organizations that have made these blanket bans for for a decade yeah. or more Dr. Mack. Uh, I don't yeah. think any of us that have had to adhere to them without children having their own allergies are mm-hmm. angry about this, but I'm just curious yeah. as to as to what what the findings were With Mm -hmm. regard to the the lack of effectiveness here, because you're right. It does seem as though it would make sense. Mm -hmm. And the whole notion of educating uh, kids can't live in a bubble. They're, they're going to have to deal with this throughout their lives. So why is it that it didn't work because there Mm -hmm. are allergies that basically you you, you touch the peanut and you need Mm -hmm. your EpiPen. Mm
8: -hmm. you know it's a great question and i think that that unfortunately we don't have as much data to really answer that question i think you know i think that there is a false sense of you know some of the proposals where there's a false sense of security in schools where there are bans, and we've had lots of children my own in my own practice um, where it's just assumed that the food is brought in um, is peanut free and so the, the parents or the, the students and, and the teachers don't ask or 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 look at this it because it's mm-hmm. assumed so that's a false sense of security that I think is a very tangible problem that we have I've seen in my practice and certainly many parents have seen uh, a hesitation to use epinephrine now, what I mean by that is that if somebody if a student or a parent uh, or a st- uh, teacher thinks that uh, there's no peanut in the school will they be less likely to even have epinephrine at school? school or even use it in the in the case of an allergic reaction um, and once again as we kind of look develop these skills um, we may start to see that in the, teen, in the adolescents when you see them in high school, they haven't developed those skills early on to kind of discern that risk. And, and, and once again, from grade 8 over to grade 9, all of a sudden you are flipped over um, into a completely different setting and you haven't had to ask those questions from K to 8. And all of a sudden in grade 9, you have to start making these decisions at a time when realistically, unfortunately, teens um, are, are higher risk takers. They don't want to cause tr- tr- uh, problems and be isolated. So I think these are part of the reasons why we saw that. And like I said, once again, the numbers did not support that there was a reduction in risk. So I think, like I said, I think these are, these are were kind of surprising findings. Um, but in the end, that, that's what we found. And I think that that's why we went about this, is to say, is there evidence one way or the other? And interesting, prior to these guidelines... There were a number of other guidelines from other countries, including Australia, the European Association of Allergy, um, who actually came out and said specifically that bans should not be used. And, and now Canada had not adopted that that, that approach. Um, but that's what they were actually saying well in advance of these.
1: Mackling McGarry McNabb, question of the day at cjov.com, brought to you by Mr. Furness. Don't call them first, you'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace 204-832-6243. New guidelines... Say schools shouldn't ban nuts and other allergens. What's your take? Good idea or bad idea? Cast your vote at cjob.com. Loren,
2: those guidelines just released yesterday from a group, uh, international group, that looked at how bans were effective or not effective. And they basically found that it made no difference on those emergency reactions. And our guest this morning, Dr. Doug Mack is a pediatrician specializing in allergies. He was also on that study team that looked into these bands. And Dr. Mack, you just outlined in our last segment, mm-hmm. the fact that they didn't make a difference necessarily on reactions, that they maybe decreased awareness. And then they maybe weren't doing the best to educate the kids either with the allergies or without on the right questions they need to be asked. And, and one of the things that you know, we work hard in our families making sure that both kids, the one with the allergy and the one without, know how to use that EpiPen. Is that part, a bigger part of the conversation now, better, not just awareness, but training? You know, all the teachers need to, to know how to use it, but should we expand that to, to yep. Yep. sports fields, rec facilities and all the rest?
8: Yeah, that's. I, mean, I think that's that's exactly what I want to say, and I think these are going to be known. I think as the, the food, you know, food ban guidelines, but that's really not wasn't the point of this. And I think the point was like all the all the kind of skills that we need to implement to make these safer for these kids. And we did find that um, food allergy training was actually you know, um, uh, valuable you know, for our teachers and for our students. So that, that I think is a really important thing. So the students and 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 teachers and administrators and school staff all know how to use epinephrine. Um, auto-injectors and can recognize the signs of anaphylaxis, uh, that they develop allergy action plans. And I will say this is one of the first set of guidelines actually internationally that has endorsed what's called stock epinephrine. And stock epinephrine is where we have an epinephrine auto-injector in the school uh, that can be used for students, um, you know, uh, if they have a new allergic reaction, um, if they don't have their epinephrine auto-injector on them. So I think that this is also a very important thing to say that not only are we, um, you know, trying to um, imp- improve training, but we're also trying to improve availability of um, of the life-saving medication epinephrine. And I think that that is a, you know, I would I would love that to be you know, a major part of the story um, so that we can say, like, this is really the first set of guidelines to international Recommend the use of this. So I think that's that's a very very important. I think that what you've done in your house and what we try to teach our our, our, our patients as well is we need training, we need recognition. We can't rely on external um, uh, external influences to, to to determine how our kids do. We have so, to. So, doctor, would it be
2: like an AED? Put it in. Put it in the exactly. rinks. Have epipens in the rinks. Have Absolutely. epipens at all these public facilities.
8: Absolutely. And that's exactly what we have recommended. So that it, so that it is available for them to use in case because about you know, there's Australian study that looked at about twenty five percent of of um, anaphylaxis occurring at a school was actually amongst people who had no previous history of anaphylaxis. And I think that that's you know, that's a very, very important thing, whether it was from insect stings or from food. And so having that life-saving medication available not only benefits those kids that are known food allergic, but even those that aren't. And, and so I think that this is, you know, these are very, very important, um, I think, skills for them to learn.
1: Dr. Doug Mack, Assistant Clinical Professor, Department of Pediatrics, McMaster University, also part of the study team behind these guidelines. Thank you very much for joining us. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. In our next segment, we will name our fourth and final qualifier for Celebrate Mom with Namath Diamonds. Tomorrow, we are giving away a $500 gift card. We have three qualifiers. We need one more. We'll find out in our next segment. Before that, one of the questions we've been asking this morning came out of the news yesterday that 12 and up, eligible for the vaccine. So we're asking you, if you're a teenager has a differing opinion than you on the vaccine. How do you handle that? As one of our listeners put it this morning, Greg, uh, this wasn't really something I have had to think about too hard because my 15-year-old wasn't eligible, but now all of a sudden he is eligible and he doesn't want it. And I don't know how I feel about that.
0: Yeah, well, the conversation I think is good. And uh, as I outlined, I've had conversation with one of my boys already. And I suppose uh, because of my feelings about the vaccine and the fact that both my wife and I have had our first shot of AstraZeneca, it's clear to anybody that knows us how we feel about taking the vaccine. So I'm sure that has influenced uh, my boy and how he feels about that. But we did have a Pretty in-depth conversation about it yesterday and how he feels about it. And one of our listeners, uh, loyal listener, Arthur, who we do not always agree with, but appreciate his input, I think sort of nailed it on the head here. He said, it is a parent's responsibility to have the last word in any decision affecting the health and welfare of a minority-aged child, explaining the reasons why any controversial decision or action will have been taken as part of the underage child's learning process. Children's opinions should be solicited, but not regarded as the final word. And this next sentence is something my kids are probably tired of hearing about and hearing me say, families are not (laughs) democracies. Until children reach the age of majority, mother and father remain informed and compassionate autocrats. And um, I have to remind the boys, Loren, that that is in fact the uh, style of government we enforce at, uh, <laughs> at uh, yeah. Casa de Matlin. Yeah, They Autocracy didn't vote you in, but they got Autocracy you. Jesse is our friend, yes.
2: <laughs> That's right, until they're 18 at least, right? And, and yeah, another listener, Jesse, texted in and say that they take pride in bringing up their boys the best they can. That means making decisions for them because we know better. Jesse says, I don't understand why someone would be hesitant on deciding if they should be the ones to decide what goes in their kid's body. We do it all the time. Like, my kids want to put Jolly Ranchers in their body at breakfast. No, no. <laughs> They don't want to brush their teeth because it cuts into their video game time. Too bad. They don't want to eat their veggies. Your bowl of ice cream is now mine, Jesse says. So we shouldn't feel bad about making this decision as well, or at least deciding on who makes that decision. Jesse adds, great topic. The thing is, is there an age line here? And we talked about even maturity, you know, Yes, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13-year-old, 15-year-old, depending on how mature they are, you're going to weigh in a lot more. But when you get to that 17, 18-year-old age, 18, you're technically adult, but you're living in my home maybe, or you're 20 and even living in my home. Does that factor into the equation? And when your kid comes back with a really, you know, we all the time, we grew up this way in my house uh, on the farm, and then now with our kids, okay, we'll make your case. Make your case and then I'll decide. And usually, you know, yes, mom and dad have already decided what the outcome is going to be. But your kid might be informed and engaged and have an opinion. And so is that part of it? Sure. I'm the adult. Sure, Greg. Not a democracy. But if they came back to you on the opposite end and said, I don't want this, would you you'd have to listen to it at least? It wouldn't mean you, but then how, how are you doing it? Dragging them, kicking and screaming down to get it done?
0: Well, I think it's important to learn the whys. And to learn uh, maybe there's an underlying anxiety about something that's going on there. And uh, you need to investigate that further. Look, both my kids have had major and minor surgery as they were growing up. Uh, Certainly didn't ask Alexander if he wanted to get his tonsils and adenoids out. That, you know, the doctor said they needed to come out. Uh, we were comfortable as parents with the reasons why. We simply informed Alexander that this is what was going to be happening when, and uh, sorry, bud, after midnight on Thursday, you can't drink or eat anything. Nothing? Absolutely nothing. Okay, fine. But as you get older, and as uh, kids learn more about their bodies, and how science works, and, and a variety of different issues, hey, Look, you're negotiating with your kids all the time, whether they know it or not. I think that the key, at least in my house, is to make them believe they have a tiny bit of power, even though they have none.
1: Deborah weighing in with uh, this thought. I spoke to my 14-year-old about the vaccine and let him know it's his choice. He immediately said he hates vaccines, but... He has to protect his teachers who were older and all the, quote, old people he sees at the airfield. He flies model aircrafts. Very proud of him. That tells me he does have compassion for others. So you can let us know what you think, 204-780-6868. You can email mackling at cjob.com, mcnab at cjob.com, or brett at cjob.com. And I also just wanted to read this, uh, just to circle back to the allergies for a moment here. Uh, This text message, I have a daughter with a severe peanut allergy. She is now 16 in high school. They don't have the ban, and they learn... But when she was in elementary and there was a ban, a kid brought a peanut butter cookie. The kid touched my child later and she had a severe reaction, had the EpiPen and went to hospital. That was traumatic and embarrassing for her. I don't know what that means in relation to this conversation, but I can't imagine, especially elementary age kids having to go to a school with an allergy and the food being all around them. I have to imagine there would eventually be a tragic outcome from this.
2: It's a it's a real hard one. And again, we're talking about this because of guidelines that are suggesting maybe we get rid of those bands, and that's not going to happen right away. It's going to be part of an ongoing debate and study. But, you know, basically they're saying that these bands don't reduce the emergency outcomes for kids with allergies. And I feel for her again with my own son. We've taught him to ask the question. What's, can I read the label? Does that contain peanuts or tree nuts? You know, he knows all the things to do. But if the kid shows up next to him and has had a peanut butter sandwich and it's all over their face and hands, because let's face it, they're kids and that's how they eat things. Will his anxiety be up because he's now surrounded by those foods? On the flip side, that food was coming in in that story with the ban. Food still gets in all the time. We've had that happen. Uh, you know, people make mistakes or they forget or they don't know. Sometimes, unfortunately, they maybe they don't care. So it is still happening. I don't know what the answer is here other than it at this stage makes me a little nervous.
1: I'm 43 years old. I still can't make a peanut butter sandwich without getting peanut butter all over my hands. So I'm also a slob. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. We are celebrating mom with Namath Diamonds. We're giving away a $500 gift card tomorrow. One in four chance, four qualifiers. We've got three. It's time to find number four. We've got two runners up we want to read here, starting with Linda, who says, My mom made apple strudel from scratch. I used to sit at the kitchen table and watch her stretch out the dough paper thin, no holes to the whole size of the kitchen table. Then the slices and slices of apples, cinnamon and chunks of butter, real butter. Then she'd gently roll it up and snake it into pans, four pans minimum. Then she'd baste with melted butter. Oh, and the smell and watching and waiting to have that first warm piece. As I'm writing this, it takes me back to being a little girl. I never got the recipe. Mom was old school, everything from scratch how it felt and tasting as she added ingredients, but I do have the linen tablecloth she used to make the family favorite on, and that I will cherish forever, along with knowing that it's okay to have dessert for dinner.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it is, and it's okay in those recipes to use all the butter, which sounds like that one contained. I love it. We had this conversation already this morning, Brett, Greg, and I, and I think the three of us basically threw down on whose mom had the best lasagna, and Morgan weighed in to say my mom makes the best lasagna (laughs) meaty cheesy saucy goodness and it's a mile high whenever it is on the menu you can always count on the whole family showing up and usually with the odd stray as well. She has this huge lasagna pan and the lasagna is big enough to feed everyone with leftovers as well. That's no small feat, as our family has now grown to about 20 people. One family dinner, Mom was bringing the lasagna to the table, put it on a cookie sheet to carry it, cut one piece, was serving it to my dad when it slipped, and the whole giant lasagna hit the floor. My oldest brother yelled before it even hit the floor that he would still eat it. (laughs) Poor Mom looked so sad until we picked it up off the floor. We threw away the one layer that had touched the carpet, and all happily still took huge pieces to eat. It was delicious, more than enough to go around. We all agreed it was her best effort yet. And my dad was pretty happy to eat the one piece that didn't hit the ground.
1: I wonder, (laughs) before we read our winner, I wonder, because we've had a listener uh, in recent weeks tell us that they make this massive mile-high lasagna. And I wonder if it's that person. Yeah. Because the three of us were saying, can you please make some and bring it to us? (laughs) So if 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 that happens to be the same person, that'll be, it's going to blow my mind. I'm going to do some digging on that. But Greg,
0: read our winning text. Well, how about this for a throwdown? My mom can bake and cook anything better than your mom. (laughs) She's 87 years old and she can still use the same recipe as you, but her dish will taste better. This is really like confrontational and I like it. Perhaps (laughs) she slips in a secret ingredient or two. My mom took a cake decorating class and then made my five-tier wedding cake. She also, with some help from me, prepared all the food for the main meal and late-night meal for my wedding day we had 150 guests. The following day, she had guests over at their place for a different afternoon feast. Word got on or got out on what she did, and she was featured on the front page of one of the sections of the Winnipeg Tribune. Cool. What's my favorite dish that she makes? German potato sausages. This is a dish I'm not familiar with, but what a fantastic text from our winner. So... This
1: person, we don't actually have the name yet for this listener, but they are our final qualifier for Celebrate Mom with Namath Diamonds. Tomorrow morning, we're going to give away that $500 gift card to one in four. Pretty good odds. So thank you to all who have shared all of your amazing stories about mom. This has been a wonderful trip down memory lane this week with Mother's Day right around the corner. Mackling McGarry McNabb, before we get into our next segment, I just need to sort of circle back. And uh, the mystery has been solved because I wondered aloud. We read Morgan's text about the Mile High lasagna. And I said, "I." we had someone text us recently saying they make a Mile High lasagna and they also have a special pan. So I was wondering if Morgan's mom was that person. Morgan got back to us and said, no. Not the same person, uh, but uh, you've, Morgan adds, you've read three of our stories on the air in the last few months, <laughs> and mom loves it, so thank you so much. And Morgan also added... I, I definitely have mom's recipe and we would be happy, happy to have a lasagna throwdown with this other listener.
2: Oh, you know what I was thinking, Brett? We have poutine week, pizza week, burger week, lasagna mac and cheese week. week. Where's our lasagna week? Like a chili off. You know how they used to do yes. chili offs at the fairs? Yes. I think we just, when we're all through this pandemic and we're allowed to share, <laughs> you know, touch utensils and all that kind of stuff, you know, all the non stuff goes away. Let's just have a big giant table. We'll have a qualifier contest. Bring a people lasagna down.
0: Lasagna bake off. I love the three that of us idea. will be judges. Oh yes, please. Well, how yes, can competitors please. be judges?
2: <laughs> we won't be in it. I'm not going to compete. Yeah. I'm out. Uh,
0: well, yeah. That, why? Why not, Loren? Why are you? Well, why are you well if my mom's out of the here. I'll let her already.
2: compete. My, we're talking about our mom's lasagna, not my lasagna. Yeah, well, Although I, I do I, think I'm, I make a great lasagna. as Well,
0: well, um, I got to fill in for my mom. Maybe I'll let uh, I'll let Jackie fill in for my mom.
1: And I will also tell you that it was Trish who texted, she texted to say, I was the person a few weeks ago back who told you about my grandmother's lasagna. I was planning on going out to my parents to make it May long and was going to make some for you lovely people, but I am not allowed out there at this time. So sorry, you'll have to wait just a little bit longer.
2: So close. close.
1: Yeah. So thank you. Well, that's right, because I think Trish had, I think she can't, she has to, go to, she has to go there to do it. There was a, more to that story. Ah, that's right. She, had to, she can't make it in the home, I think. Um, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking out loud here. Anyway, thanks for all the text from Lasagna. And I'm kind of distracted by the idea of having a Lasagna week and a, being a judge in a Lasagna <laughs> contest. I, lo- I love Lasagna so much.
0: Yeah, sorry to jump in, but this just exemplifies you know, you send in so many text messages, like dozens and dozens by the day. We read them all. We may not get back to you, but we read them all and they have an impact. So even if they don't get read on the air, we are reading them and uh, they mean so much to us. Sorry, I just had to get that in there, Brad. Oh, and Brad, actually, I Brad
2: just it. texted to say, I would not eat Lorenz, Lorenz, Lorenz lasagna either. Brad, do I know you? <laughs> Feels like I know a couple Brads, and Brad, you're being a jerk. <laughs> Words on the street, McNabb.
1: And I found <laughs> the, the
2: before you begin.
1: I found the the original text. Trish says, I will not make this is back on March twenty second, I will not make lasagna with my partner. I guess I think as we were talking about, are there things you won't do with your significant other? And Trish said, I will not make lasagna with my partner. In fact I will haul everything to my parents and make it with my right? dad because my partner does not know how to leave the sauce simmer.
0: <laughs> Ooh, yes. That's I right. I remember had that, had that text now. <laughs> (laughs) Well done. I
2: I have to say, I make a batch of lasagna every fall in terms of, you know, putting six or seven in the freezer to get through winter and all that kind of stuff. And I did it again in September. And I have to also admit that nobody was home, was back when you were allowed to go out and do things. And so the kids were actually downstairs playing and my husband was out and I may, may have had a couple glasses of wine and there's been a few lasagnas where I'm like, there's a whole layer missing in this one. And, um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so i've had friends say can you drop almost one of your lasagnas i'm like I, not this year I'm not a hundred percent they all had cheese in them or they all had the meat or <laughs> might have missed a layer or two so
1: <laughs> oh that is great okay so in the meantime we want to play a piece of audio for you here because we've been celebrating mom all week but greg you found some great humor related to dad
0: well, and it, it strikes uh, home to me on a couple different fronts. First of all, it's a it's a takeoff on a sports a post game interview, which I've had the good fortune to be involved in a few of those over the years, and and the stock answers that so many athletes seem to have on a variety of different things. The cliches, uh, if you remember back to Bull Durham, uh, uh, Kevin Costner's uh, character teaching uh, Luke uh, his. His uh, cliches, as he says in his uh, broken French slash uh, non-Southern uh, English. And uh, so that that really, this clip is is going viral. And I know people are maybe tired of that word and, and maybe we stopped using it because of uh, COVID-19. But the point is this. people have seen this video i've seen it on television already this morning so we wanted to play it it's a dad recapping his day with the media his day with his kids
4: you sum up the day yeah honestly just felt like we got behind early after the milk spill and the marker on the wall we just felt like we were playing catch up the rest of the day right before you went to the store you called a timeout was there an attitude change after that yeah it felt like we were losing our heads there for a minute so we wanted to just calm things down and uh get back to the basics. Did you ever find your keys? No. No, no idea where they are. You gave them a snack half hour before dinner. Was that planned? No, I lost track of time. Was just wasn't thinking. And so, you know, three bites of dinner. That's on me. It didn't look like you had many answers to the double team. Is that a question? <laughs>
2: <laughs> the best part about it, he's wearing a uniform, his hair's all messy, he's doing the classic athlete thing, you know, where you're pulling at your hair while you're trying to talk because you're angry about your performance in the game, or in this case, your <laughs> performance as a dad. He's got a sticker stuck to the front of his jersey or sweater, like there's like a, like a kid's just got him. The kid's got him, and it's on him.
1: It looks like he's, uh, his name is Dumb Dad Pod on TikTok, so if you want more, I'm just Googling Dumb Dad Pod. I guess this is a podcast uh, at Dumb Dad Pod on Instagram as well. He's on Twitter at Dumb Dad Pod, the Dumb Dads. So it looks like there's probably a treasure trove of hilarity to enjoy on this stuff. But yeah, he really... Nailed the whole press conference thing right down to the squinting when the the, the questions are being asked as though like he can't can't even be bothered to hide how annoyed he is to be there. (laughs) Right. Because how many sports news conferences do you watch where you can tell the participant just has no desire to be there, whether it's a player or a coach and they can't even hide their disgust. Like when he asked Greg. Is that a question? Is that even a question? Yeah, a
0: question in there. I love that. <laughs> I have to get back to the basics. Just those stock answers were, we're terrific. So uh, you, you found the original TikTok, did you?
1: Uh, it's just, it, it's marked in the video. Uh, that it,
0: it's a TikTok
1: video that's been shared on other social medias like Twitter. Uh, so again, his name or the the social media name, and you can find it on all the social medias by the looks of it, is Dumb Dad Pod or look for The Dumb Dads if you want to find more from these guys. And they've got a podcast as well. Uh, so yeah, good stuff, Greg. Thanks for finding this. That was uh, a lot of fun. I enjoyed watching that. and uh, But he also, I think, summarized... like. The stuff that I never have to think about, right? Like when uh you know, you, you gave the kid a snack thirty minutes before dinner. Uh what were you what were you doing? And he's like, Yep, that one's on me. I just forgot about it. <laughs> <On me. laughs> so is is that something that like is that a thing you, you have to be careful for to not give the kids snacks shortly before dinner, Loren?
2: Yeah, but that's. You're not I'm not following them around the house and so like I came downstairs and found a whole bag of fishy crackers that had been eaten and that was before supper and I didn't even know it was down here. Like I'm I should put an alarm system in the pantry or something. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, they just they wear you down. They're very good. They're very good negotiators at a very young age, like this morning they're having breakfast. Mom, can we watch a show while we're having breakfast? No. Can we watch a video? It's the same thing as a show. No. Can I use my phone? No, no screen time. I get a text while I'm downstairs. How about YouTube? And I'm I'm like, what? Like I just said no to the screen time. But at some point you're just, you know, it's on me. Yeah, I just, I didn't have the energy in me. I didn't give it a hundred percent and I didn't get the right bounces on that request in the puck went in the net and they watched YouTube, you know, like that's how that goes.
0: Sometimes we're not on the same page and that, that makes things difficult. Uh, we're working to, uh, to, to get a little more cohesive on the messaging <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, hopefully uh, tomorrow will be a better day. <laughs> Sounds you
1: know, like not it.
2: every day is going to be a win. Sometimes you've got to grind one out, right? Just you can't always, always, can't always have the same result and uh, we'll discuss this. We'll take this offline and
0: do better tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, all, the, all the wins aren't pretty, you know. You'll take know. a win where you can get it. And uh, sometimes uh, the day goes the way, way you want, and uh, other days it's just uh, plain and simply uh, you'd like to start again. Uh, so we'll, we'll regroup and uh, we'll, we'll make a, we'll make an effort for uh, for, for, for uh, our next outing.
2: Greg, it's got check time. Gut check time. Got to dig deep. Keep your eye on the ball for that one. Otherwise, your kids are just going to run all over you. And time to step up to the plate. You know, literally, metaphorically, the dinner plate, everything. You don't like to
0: point uh, <laughs> at individuals in the situation like this. It, it, it's a team effort, and uh, as the coach, it, it all comes down uh, to me and uh, preparation. <laughs>
2: okay, don't throw don't throw your wife under the bus. Okay, it's a team effort. No Hawaiian mm-hmm. team. <laughs>
0: Nine forty six on six eighty.
1: CJOB Macklin McLe- <laughs> McGarry 110%. and McNabb. Ah, sports news conference cliches tied into parenting. Good stuff, guys. Mackling, McGarry, McNabb, we're going to say hi to Jeff Courier in a moment, but we just need to mention that we did actually have a planned interview in our previous segment, Greg, but our guest was unable to join
0: us. Yes, unfortunately, technical difficulties prevented us from getting in touch with Don Amaro. We're celebrating uh, the eve of the Project 11 Summit. It's a youth program. It's actually heralded worldwide, not just in Manitoba. It's a project of the Winnipeg Jets and the True North uh, Sports uh, foundation and the work that they do around uh, mental wellness awareness for young people is absolutely second to none. Uh, that takes place, uh, like I said, around the world online tomorrow. So we wanted to bring Don on to, to talk about his involvement because he's been intimately involved with the process and the program for years. So we'll catch up with Don another time.
1: And I, I was trying to find this clip when we talk about sports conferences, I pulled this clip. It, I found it buried in my folder uh, because I'm a digital hoarder. It's actually from December 25th, 2006. It's a Manitoba Moose. I think this was Ryan Kessler. Just listen to this clip and tell me if you can understand what he's saying.
3: Uh, if we get down, we just don't, don't worry about it. We, keep, uh, we were playing a str- good game last night. We said keep what we we're doing. We know uh, good things that happened.
0: Could you make that out, Loren? run?
2: 110%. That's what I heard. You got to keep on, keep on. We'll have to
0: check the film. i will have to check the film. We'll get back to you tomorrow. It's being handled internally.
2: Let's be clear here. Let's be clear. Jeff Courier
1: has covered a uh, sports news conference or two. Good morning, Jeff. Got to take them one at a time.
2: <laughs> <laughs> there you go.
7: <laughs> nice. Oh, yeah. It was. <laughs> yeah, When, when I. Moved away from covering sports many years ago. A lot of, a lot of my friends in the sports business couldn't understand why I wanted to leave the toy department, which is kind of what we jokingly refer to sports <laughs> as. Is, it's the kind of the toy department of journalism. You know, why would you want to get out of this? That's why. I just I couldn't listen to another one of those. Except <laughs>
2: Dave Ritchie. Dave Ritchie always had good ones. Uh, Dave Jeff,
7: Ritchie was a joy. He'd be if, like if, if a. The deal piranhas with da- are a Dave yeah, yeah. I'm in yep. the tree.
2: You're looking down. Yeah. The piranhas are there. What are yeah, you gonna be, do? Yeah, yep, 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 they're Dave, drinking what the good you
7: water. You know? now. <laughs> <laughs> up at the top, drinking <laughs> the good water. And you almost and uh, he was so entertaining. And uh, and Dave has remained a friend of mine. Uh, uh, for Dave and Sharon have remained our friends for all these years, and they're beautiful people. But you almost needed subtitles <laughs> when <laughs> no. when Dave was talking. You were never quite sure, and and we, you kind of got to understand him after a while. But we'd be sitting in his office, and he'd say something, and the late Randy Turner, rest his soul, beautiful men, and or Eddie Tate or Bob Irving, and and it's, it's, you could see these guys writing these quotes down. Because they were gonna appear in the paper the next day. <laughs> anyway, Dave is a lovely guy, but but yeah, there are an awful lot of sports cliches, and hockey is the worst mm-hmm. for that. Football players will go off. Right, they'll they'll go off on you sometimes, which is kind of entertaining. Hockey players are, are groomed from the moment they strap on their first pair of skates to say nothing that would be interesting to anybody. <laughs> <right>? <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of unfortunate, because I mean, a lot of most, them do have most, interesting things stuck, to say. Eh, Jeff? Yeah, well, a lot of them have interesting things to say, but they're just—it's drilled into you. Don't say anything. Don't say anything. It's like the Bull Durham interview, right? Yeah. You know, well, we're going to take them one at a time. Just going to try to help the ball club win. And you know,
0: no bulletin board material. <laughs> no. Yeah. Exactly.
7: Right. Oh, you mean that if we say something, those other guys are going to try really hard to beat us now?
3: <laughs> yeah, Yeah. Yes. Try harder.